Behind the Shades. Hello, Ben. Hello, Yo. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Perfect. So this is a little bit different from for me. I have two guests, but I'm, should I say twice excited, three times as excited, but I'm definitely excited to have both of you here because we're going to talk about something that's very important to a lot of men. I know there's probably many men who feel that they don't have enough dialogue when it comes to this because they may feel that the courts are against them, society is against them, and a lot of their concerns go unheard. We're going to talk about divorce, how it impacts men, dads, fathers, and navigating the court system. So as we begin, why don't you both introduce yourself, beginning with Ben, and tell us a little bit about who you are and where my audience can find you guys. Sure. So I am a father of five. Uh, I work in high tech during the daytime, and uh, we have our own podcast, Two Dad to Quit, dot, uh, Two Dad to Quit uh, podcast. You can find us on twodadtoquit.com. And um, I also write children's books. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I, I'm a creator that got stuck in a high-tech job, which is very fulfilling and uh, making a huge impact on the world. Um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah, and as for me, uh, my name is Yoel, and I am 43 years old as of the day of this recording. Uh, as I mentioned before we went on the air, I'm actually originally from Toronto, Canada as well. And I've got five children as well, who I love very dearly. Uh, my day job is I'm actually licensed as an attorney uh, in two different jurisdictions, both in Ontario, Canada, as well as uh, Israel. And I don't practice as a lawyer. I have a notarization and translation firm based here in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, grateful to be here. Perfect, perfect. So both of you have joined us to discuss this beautiful topic. So take us from the beginning, starting with you, Ben. How did you get involved in this specific area, speaking to men, helping men navigate divorce and the impacts of it? Yeah, so I guess my story starts when I was a kid. Um, my parents got, I found out recently, I thought they got divorced when I was five months old, but apparently they got separated for four or five years, uh, but I didn't know the difference. Uh, and I grew up with the feeling of it was my fault. And I basically prayed every day for most of my childhood that they would get back together. Uh, and then I found myself, you know, 30 years later, married with five kids, married for over you know, almost 14 years and somehow facing divorce. And it was kind of like, I did everything in my mind, right, for this not to happen uh, because of the pain I went through. And I didn't want my kids to go through that. Is, and, you know, the, the way the, the road went, that's where it headed. And during that process, it happened basically the day before they had the first lockdowns uh, locally. Uh, that's when the divorce was official. That's when I moved out with a suitcase. I don't have any family in this country. I moved into a friend's house for seven months. Um, and I just, I, I didn't really have a support system here. Uh, so luckily there's like a, like an, I guess an underground society that I never knew existed uh, of a bunch of divorced people that are supporting each other. 
Uh, and luckily we had Zoom nights like this and uh, we would get together, people would be cooking, people would be talking about what they were doing, work, etc. And it, you know, it saved me because I, I, my kids were, I was seeing them sort of, uh, you know, half, half the time, but there were lockdowns in the middle and they were like, you know, some kids test positive and then you don't see them for some time. It was just uh, a really rough time. Uh, and along the way, uh, Yoel and I reconnected. We knew each other 20 years earlier uh, and we reconnected and he happened to be going through the same kind of situation. And uh, we realized that our stories were very similar. And as we met more and more divorced men, it was the same kind of story all over again. Uh, you know, the, the statistics are 70% of divorces nowadays are initiated by the women. And not even talking about how the courts are, um, which uh, is, depends where you live. But, you know, in the States, I have friends that, you know, didn't see their kids for a long time because of the way the court system worked. And it was a battle. And, you know, you know I basically I had a wake up call. Um, where a story came out where some guy agreed to or was supposed to pay X amount for child support, which was like $3,000 more than he made. And he went to court to reduce it. They said no after being in jail because he couldn't pay it and he killed himself. And it was like a wake up call. And that wasn't the first story that I heard like that. And I realized that, you know, there's a lot of support out there for women. Uh, lots of groups, you know, even growing up as my mother was a single mother and my father, you know, I saw him once a month, but like there were people understood what a single mom was, but single dads, you know, in, in people's mind is, you know, midlife crisis, he's got a job, he's got a car, he's going to, you know, find a better model, a younger girl, whatever it is. And that's not the reality these days uh, for, you know, all the people that we've spoken to, it's, you know, most of our guests on the podcast have admitted, you know, just being home and out of nowhere, just being flushed with emotions and breaking down crying in the middle of, you know, making dinner for themselves or just sitting in the car. You know, I, I, I drop my kids off at the house and their mother's house and I just stand outside and have nowhere to go. I just nowhere to go, just frozen. And, and, you know, we realize that there needs to be some place where these guys know uh, that they're not alone. Um, and if, this week we actually launched a, a Facebook group so people can discuss their episodes. Um, we actually have 20% uh, of the listeners are actually female. Um, and we've heard from a lot of them. And one thing they, they want to hear the, the guy side, you know, guys are not always so vocal or about their emotions and all of that. And, you know, we have them. So, you know, it gives them a place to talk about it. Uh, kind of, we want people, you know, on the podcast that have been through it, but are still functioning still, you know, when you're in it, it sucks. And, you know, you're in the Valley, but we wanted to highlight people that have been able to make it out and keep going and, and function and even fight to be in their kids' lives. You know, one of our guests didn't see his kid for over a year and now thank God he's seeing his kid again. So it's, you know, the stories are, you know, important, very important. I will absolutely agree. I remember there's this meme and it kind of makes me laugh every time I see it where you'll have support for men and women, right? And then it'll say when women can't pay child support, there's this like nice house with this grass and everything, right? When men can't pay it, it's jail. <laughs> oh. 
right? And it, it shows how there's a lot of people who hold this situation in um, a very emotional and a very painful light. Because as you mentioned, Ben, that some people, they see the ugly side. Sure, there's divorces that end pretty amicably, but there's some where it's like you're surprised that these two people even loved each other at some point because it's so messy. And I remember when my parents got divorced, I wasn't surprised that it happened. What I was surprised at, that it took so long, but it wasn't a bad divorce per se, but both present were physically, both parents were physically present, but emotionally, mentally, they weren't. And yo, as I pass it to you, what was your experience like um, either personally or what you've come across as someone that has the podcast and may have the experience as well as you have the legal aspect as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, my, my personal experience, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I, I wish there were things that would have been done differently. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, it was a very, very difficult time in my life. Uh, but I was, you know, my approach, this, this was Ben's brainchild, uh, you know, to start the podcast. And, you know, my concern then, and my concern always was and always continues to be to make sure to not uh, paint myself in two ways. One is to not paint my, make myself out to be a victim, because I'm not a victim. And I, and I don't want to ever give the impression that I am one. And nobody should make themselves into victims. And number two is that is to highlight the positivity that men have experienced post-divorce, not to focus on the negative aspects. Um, so those were two of you know two of the things that that sort of you know was my interest. Uh, it's interesting that I'm on this podcast because I really you know we've talked about this on the podcast and on our podcast as well. Uh, I don't I don't I wouldn't really I don't the whole idea of identity I I don't really identify as a divorced man. Like I don't really identify with any one title or label or single father or this or that. I'm just, a, you know, I'm just a human being, you know, for, for lack of a better way of saying it. And this was something, this was something that happened. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I, I do a lot of spiritual reading and just trying to understand, um, you know, where I fit into the universe and, and my perspective has changed over time, but definitely when the podcast first started, um, you know, definitely, I, I definitely related to the notion that, um, it is a very difficult time for many men. And there is that, I agree with Ben, that there is that need uh, for that, for, for, for many men to have that support system. Uh, to address your second question about the legal aspect, that's been very interesting. We've actually had, uh, I think it was at least, at least two lawyers, at least one lawyer. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm blanking. We may have had a second lawyer. No, we've had two lawyers. For two, sure. lawyers. Two, yeah, lawyers. two lawyers. Two lawyers. And um, I did find the discussion very fascinating. And in fact, the first attorney that we had on, who's actually a friend of mine, who's actually from Toronto, Canada, by the way, um, he had a very balanced perspective, you know, uh, and I really enjoyed it because, again, it's, it's, it's not about trying to push any one sort of agenda onto another. It's about, you know, getting the facts, you know, whether those facts may be something that some men listening may not appreciate, or maybe some women listening may not appreciate. And I found that you know, the, the legal, the way the courts look at the system, look at, look at divorce is fascinating. That, that's not to say that there aren't men who have gotten a raw deal in the court system, uh, but there are also, I'm sure there are many women who would raise their hands and say that they've gotten a raw deal uh, from the court system. And again, you know, I, I agree with Ben, there's definitely a vast, uh, you know, resource network for women 
and it didn't it does not seem to be the case for men so um, it definitely is very important that men have that the, the same sort of access to resources and to justice uh, as well because it should be equal that that's really the point it should be equal it's it's not about pushing one agenda over the other it's about equality equality for men in this instance i'm surprised that the resources are as gendered based as they appear to be whereas you have like a shelter that will be for women and children but you don't necessarily hear of a shelter for men and children you have a shelter for women only but you don't necessarily hear i'm pretty sure there are shelters for men only it it seems that the resources when it when there's um a dissolving of the family unit is gender specific whereas women and children women and then you may have let's say men men only versus okay i have a safe space for everyone that needs it such as for example if ben needed it i have a safe space for ben if you need it i have a safe space for you if teresa down the street needs it i have a safe space if you want to separate men and women within that compound that's perfectly fine but i think more resources should be available because as you mentioned you it's all about equality men sometimes get the shorter than the stick and women sometimes get the shorter than the stick but wouldn't it be wise to assist both parties as equally as possible for both of you when you're speaking to the men and when you are coming together with the men to speak do you find sometimes that the men are hesitant to share their experiences maybe because of the way they may come across or maybe there's judging like what are some of the reasons that you feel are preventing men from being more um communicative when it comes to what they're going through yeah i'm, I'm going to jump on that and i also want to address the, the previous point there, there you know in terms of you know having a shelter for men i definitely agree with you there's no doubt that there is a bit of a traditionalist if you will uh, parochial however whatever word you want to use you know a uh, way of looking at things whereby there's this assumption that the man is the breadwinner quote unquote and therefore, because of that, he's got that ability to make money. And therefore, why should he need a shelter? Because he's the one who has the ability. But everyone knows the reality is not the case. And in fact, I would say, and I don't, I'm not a spokesperson or spokesman for women, but women by and large are asking for equality and rightly so. And they want to be treated equally. And there's often these movements and, and all sorts of, uh, you know, women speaking out. But when it comes to this, there is this sort of idea that, oh, the man's a breadwinner, therefore he doesn't need that. But I, but I agree with you, Taryn. And, and uh, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. In my divorce case, I remember my lawyer telling me very clearly, and he said it to me a few times, he's like, yo, I'll get it through your head. Men and women are equal, just like you're, you know, when you're factoring in all sorts of uh, child support or whatever the case may be, when, when the courts are looking at both of you, they're looking at her as an ability to make money, just like they're looking at you. It's not just you anymore, whereas in the past it was more. So I think some jurisdictions um, you know, are, are a little more progressive, and I say progressive in the sense of looking at women equally as men than others, but there definitely are jurisdictions where um, you know, they're not as progressed. And that has to do as well, you know, as, as Ben was alluding to as, uh, with, with custody cases where there's this assumption that the woman should have the default right to children and the men have to sort of fight for it. And a lot of jurisdictions are not like that anymore. And they do understand that the man is just as equally important as a father, as a woman is, uh, as a mother. But it really depends on the jurisdiction, uh, you know, in which the divorce happens, which is unfortunate. Um, and just to address your second point, I'm talking for a while, but just to address your, your second question about men, 
I have definitely come across that. I mean, I've asked, Ben knows this, I've asked a number of men, um, you know, to come onto the podcast and it has been very challenging for me. Um, I, I think that a lot of men, and this is, I don't mean to stereotype everyone, but there definitely are a lot of men that are very hesitant to get into what they may perceive as an emotional discussion, uh, specifically in a public forum. Now, that may have been the case if I was trying to contact women, maybe, you know, three in every 10 women would also be just as hesitant. But my experience is with contacting men. And I think there is that that hesitation to to discuss those sort of things. There's sort of I think a lot of men have this idea that a real man has to be macho and can't show their, you know, how they feel about things. They don't want to talk about it, but it, it may not necessarily be gender specific. Um, some of it may just be people are hesitant or shy to talk about things in public, you know? Yeah. And, and as far as shelters and organizations, so I know there is a place in the UK uh, called dad's house, uh, which uh, I hope to have on the podcast, uh, but they're not just for men. Uh, but it is called Dad's House, and they, you know, they have music, guitar, food, uh, but they do support and legal help. But it's it's for all genders. But it's still called Dad's House, and I believe it was it was started by a father. Um, so they do exist, and I'm hoping they'll start popping up more. Um, and as far as uh, the emotions, you know, uh, you'll, I don't know, we've we've gotten better over time trying to get people to open up. Um, the harder part is getting them to agree. Uh, some of them are worried that they're going to say something that they shouldn't say. You know, I have a good friend and he said, I love the podcast. You guys are doing gay. Keep going. I love it. But I, when I open my mouth, I get in trouble. Hmm. So there, there, there's some people like that, that that are worried about that. Um, but, you know, the what the I guess the format of the podcast is to kind of warm up uh, to you know, giving a background about them. We're not trying to focus on the divorce. We're not trying to focus on the fighting, the however that is. It's more about the person and what they've gone through in life, what they've how they got through the divorce period, how they decide how they were able to keep the strength to keep going, what they've done since. Uh, and every episode we always ask for a two dad to quit moment. So a time when they were most proud as a father. And you'll see, like, even the the, the person who's like, we can't crack. As soon as you ask that question, they like stop and their face just lights up. And after that moment, you see them open up more. Um, but, you know, it's, there's all types. And, you know, I think as it becomes more normalized, uh, it'll, it'll be easier. Uh, one other thing, we were on another podcast uh, uh, recently uh, with a woman who never had men on her show. And in the middle of listening to Yoel and I telling our stories, she just stopped and she's like, I I'm like sitting here and with a whole lot of emotion and I don't even know how to express it. But it turned out basically in her circles and in the media and society today, it's like men are not allowed to have emotions to her. And just seeing that we had emotions was like an awakening moment where, you know, I, I saw like a YouTube short recently where women need to create the safe environment for men to open up. So even the toughest men, like I always find it funny, like, you know, like you got the biker guy or the rock who has a kid and then he's sitting there and he's putting on makeup and wearing dresses and tutus with his little kids, right? 
and as like the toughest guy you've ever seen in your entire life. But once he has kids, that's when that, you know, that little kid or that emotional guy comes out. So, you know, it's, I don't know, I think everybody has it. I, I think you can be macho, you know, macho, the rock, biker guy, the gangster. I was, I think I was listening to Ice Cube in an interview and just talking about his kids and his family and that's all that matters, right? So like, these are the guys you like expect to be like the toughest guy, like, yeah, whatever, kid, go away, get him, yeah. But like, it's their life, right? So I think it's all there and you can be both. It's not, you know, I don't believe in those stereotypes. We don't live in a society where, you know, the guy goes out to kill everything and the mother's home with the children and they never see them. They just come home to drop the food off. So we don't live in that society anymore. And, you know, I think it's, it's uh, much more open, more open than people think. I agree. And that reminds me of this, of one of my friends. And I always tell him the days of us going out there, killing the woolly mammoth are long gone. Right. Like we don't have to prove our manhood anymore by, you know, there's no more drop your pants and show me what you're using. There's no more show me your fastest car, show me your biggest house. Yeah. There's still like a subsection of um, men that are out there. Right. And there's probably still a subsection of women that still, they love it. Right. Like, Oh my God, you know, you're making me all hot and bothered and wet and all this other stuff. Right. But I think sometimes we forget that it doesn't matter as you mentioned, right, Ben, how tough you are, how physically big you are. Everyone, every man's heart melts when their child comes and asks them, Hey dad, can you read me a story? Hey dad, can you do this with me? And you gave it a good example. Because I remember seeing that video of the rock and his daughter was painting his face with makeup and everything. Yep. And then he turns to the camera. And this is someone for as long as I've been around was one of the biggest guys. Yeah. Right. It's like, if you were to see, I don't know how old you guys are, but if you were to see like Mike Tyson, yep. right. There's a time where he was the scariest person on the planet. And now yep. he's laughing, he's doing comedy and he can still do what we all yeah. thought he could have did. <laughs> but yep. there's also that softer side. So when I asked the both of you, since you both have children, what was your moment when it came to that child that just lit you up and you're like, this is such a proud moment and I feel so happy that I'm a dad? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Uh, so I have them all the time. Uh, but there was this one night when uh, I had, I used to work in youth work and I had a kid visiting that was now an adult, but I knew since they were in like sixth or seventh grade. And we were outside just talking and my son was there and she was saying, you know, when I needed something, your father would just hop in his car and he would drive and pick me up. He wouldn't let anybody mess with me. And my son looks at her and goes, well, yeah, that's my dad. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, like, this is my boy who like, again, emotions. And like, he'll just come out every once in a while. He'd be like, the other day he was also like, uh, you know, you want to go to heaven? I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. And he's like, don't worry, you're already there. And like, just out of nowhere, these, these motion, emotions come out of him. And whether he knows that they're emotional moments or not, the fact that those are the thoughts that he thinks when he thinks of me uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, we have, you know, I have, my, based on the schedule with my kids, I have them, you know, a few days a week and then, uh, every other uh, Friday and Saturday, and we have uh, we have meals together. You know, 
it's, it's easier on, on Friday, Fridays or Saturdays. So we'll have meals together. And, and every time I have them on those weekends and we're sitting around the table, uh, I'm just glowing the whole time. I'm just watching them and glowing and the interactions that we're having. Um, so that's as a group, you know, as a family. And on one-on-one, I mean, you know, like Ben was saying, they're, they're all the time. I mean, I, you know, my oldest son, I've, I've had, you know, so many deep discussions with him and I'm just so proud of him and, you know, the way he speaks and how he presents himself. And, uh, you know, my daughter, I, I go to, you know, my oldest daughter, I go to movies with all, all oftentimes and we just sit down and talk and I just love talking to her and it's just, you know, watching them grow up and the same with my 14 year old daughter, um, you know, just the maturity level and how they speak and my younger kids, how they make me laugh, you know? So it's uh, like Ben was saying, there's really so many moments. It's hard to isolate one, but I'm just constantly proud of them, just constantly. And it's not for, you know, it's interesting. I should know too. Sometimes people will say to me, like, you should be so proud because, you know, he did such and such or she did such and such. And I always say that I'm proud of them always, like all the time. I'm proud of them. Uh, obviously there are some things, you know, if they get into trouble, I'm not proud of the, the thing that they did, you know, I'm not promoting that, but in terms of who they are as people, as individuals, I'm always proud of them. So um, yeah, I'm just very grateful to have them. Yeah, they're such a blessing. So you both have such a fantastic story. I wanted to share this with each, with both of you saying that I am very happy and inspired by what you do because you're giving a platform to men who, as we were discussing, in some cases don't always have an avenue to share their voice, as well as you're probably, and you're talking to men about some of the challenges that they may face. For the both of you, on your podcast, on your show, what are some of the commonalities that are, when it, are discussed when it comes to topics into helping men achieve their prouder moments, feel good, and know that, hey, this is a safe space for every man if they want it to be. Wow. That's a great question, Ben. You want to do it or should I <laughs> go I ahead? Go for it. No, I, I, I'm not saying I have a, an answer. That's, that's, a, that's an amazing question. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think the fact that, that Ben and I have been, have experienced that, I think that in and of itself provides that sort of safe, safe space because they understand they're not kind of, speaking to like ivory tower academics that are interviewing them, but you know, they themselves haven't been there. So Ben and I have both been there, um, you know, so that, that's something I think that, that, that really, you know, makes people feel comfortable. And um, I think a lot of men, I, I wouldn't even say it's anything necessarily that we're doing. It's just that once you have that platform, they're just kind of, like, you know, I said before that some men don't want to get onto the show and they don't want to express those feelings. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the guys that do are just kind of chomping at the bit because this is their opportunity to share those, to share those experiences. And, you know, a lot of times they'll say something and, you know, all Ben and I will have to say is, you know, one sort of acknowledgement or maybe one of us will tell an anecdote and they'll relate to it and that just jogs it further and further. So, you know, I, I think just the very nature for a lot of the men, the very nature of having this platform, it's something they've always wanted. And this kind of provides that. Yeah, we've had a, a couple of guests. There's one guest where I think I only did the intro and the outro. <laughs> right. And Yoel, Yoel asked like two questions and he, he just ran with it with yeah. like amazing, amazing tips and ideas and everything. But 
that that never happened until then. Uh, and then we had a, someone else on who doesn't have a lot of contact with his kids and he wanted to be on so he could tell them so that one day they would hear it. So he wasn't actually, he never got to tell them all of this stuff and he was able to use our platform to put it out there. Uh, personally, I had actually my father on who I never really talked about any of this with. Um, mm -hmm. And then my older brother who's 12 years older asked to be on because he wanted to say what it was like being that kid whose parents got divorced and he was there to help his mother. And he wanted to give that story to people. So there, you know, this is something that, you know, has been burning in my brother forever. And I felt like my father had a lot of stuff he wanted to say that never got to be said. And now my brother and my father are talking about these topics. Um, I also had someone this weekend tell me that their parents found out about the podcast. They didn't tell them. And they, you know, they complimented on it. Another one uh, guest said he posted it by accident, a clip that I posted, and his parents saw it and they listened to the whole thing and they said, wow, we didn't know any of that. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of getting stuff off in a safe environment and, and who knows where it will go from there. Yeah, I, I want to add, I mean, I think the unfortunate thing is that for a lot of these men, you know, it, it's again, it's not to live in the past, but it just, it just strikes me as Ben's sharing that, that a lot of these men would have killed to have these discussions with their then wives. And unfortunately, once the communication breaks down, you know, that opportunity never presented itself. And again, that's not a blame thing. It's not about who's right, who's wrong, who's fault or not fault. It's just the reality. So that, so now when they have an opportunity, you know, to sort of express themselves and show their true colors, if you will, and, and show sides of them that they don't feel may have been visible to, you know, to their, to their spouse in the marriage. Not that they're trying to show anybody up. I mean, maybe there are some that have that motivation, whatever the case may be. But generally, I think there's a lot of men that want to just demonstrate who they are. That may not even be conscious. It may be a subconscious thing, but this, this provides a platform for somebody to be able to do that. So once they're talking, like Ben was saying, a lot of them are just off to the races. I wonder how much that has to do with getting closure, because I think a lot of men probably don't have that. They have it, um, whereas they're still trying to have that conversation. But after a while, and you guys have probably been through this, either in your marriages or maybe previous relationships, where you want to resolve something, but you just can't. Either the other person's unwilling or the conversations aren't working. And now we're at a point where the men who are coming on your show, they're like, I just want someone to hear my side. Ben, like you mentioned your father, right? Like you mentioned your brother, yeah. yo, like you mentioned your, your, the guests that come on your show. And it takes me back to one of my um, breakups. I haven't been married, but a relationship that ended. And all I wanted to do was say, Hey, let's just have this conversation. It's, it's probably not going to work. But let's just get whatever it is off of our minds and our chest, right? If I'm the worst boyfriend in the world, then say it. Terrain, you're a monster. You're this, you're that. I'll say that, you know, you Jezebel, whatever, right? <laughs> let's just get it all out there. But I know for me, and maybe for some of these men, when you try to silence someone that wants to speak so badly, it hurts them so, so much. 
Have either of you experienced that either directly or maybe with some of the men that come on your show where, as you both mentioned, they want to talk, they want to talk, but they either have been beaten down so much or they've been silenced for so long that they're just like, I don't know, Ben. I don't know, Yul. I don't know if I can do this. I mean, you know, with 70% of divorces initiated by the woman, you know, there's a, an idea that they made that decision years ago. Or like they had a lot of time to process and decide that's what they're doing. And the men are playing catch up, right? And sometimes the women don't share what that whole process was. And they just, you know, come and they're like, all right, I want a divorce and that's it. And the guy is just trying to <laughs> figure out what to do. Uh, so I think that's more common than you would think. Um, yeah. I think that yeah. plays a big role into it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, definitely, again, you know, thankfully with a lot of, you know, not to toot my own horn, but with a lot of self-work and therapy and, you know, spiritual reading, meditating, you know, I, I my, my perspective has kind of evolved, but certainly, you know, there were a lot of discussions I, I wish we, I wished we could have had, my, my ex-wife and I could have had, and it just, it didn't happen. It wasn't happening. And, uh, um, you know, so, and therefore, because of that, I think I could relate to maybe those men that feel, that feel the same way. And I can't imagine I'm the only one who, who feels that way. Um, you know, but, but the point obviously is not to sort of, you know, is not to dwell on that. Uh, and, and it's obviously very important to try and let go of those sort of you know, those sort of feelings, whether it's a resentment or an anger, and nobody's saying it's easy, and nobody's saying it's an overnight thing. Um, but certainly, you know, I, that's a great question you're asking. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's played a part in a lot of the men's uh, stories, for sure. There was, I forget the name of the show, but it was, but well, this happened to someone that I used to work with, and he came home, the house was empty. Mm. Right? And that's how he found out that he was going through a divorce. And I look at situations like that. And when we look at, as some of you mentioned, right? Like, I wish I had this type of conversation. I wish I had this type of conversation. It's amazing how, and now this is probably going to sound very sexist. I do apologize to my female listeners, but it's amazing how the men can be so unaware and the women can be so, okay, January 1st, Five years ago, I knew that this was done and there, you know, it doesn't come out until it's about to hit the fan. And I don't think that's necessarily gender. I think that's more of like maybe a personality thing where some people can, they know when they've checked out, but they're just planning their escape in a way. Right. Um, as we close, what kind of advice would you like to give men who are trying to figure it out? Maybe a little bit confused, but they have the best of intentions to make sure that, Hey, I want to make sure that I'm okay. As well as my family going forward is okay as well. Sure. So I would say, I heard recently, uh, I think if you're going to divorce, divorce, well, meaning if you're going to do it first, figure out yourselves, and make sure that's separately, make sure that's what you really want and figure out if there's still something there. You know, there's a, 
anger uh, is supposedly uh, love plus resentment. And if you can work through that resentment, then in theory, you can get back to the love uh, together or separately. Um, and if there are kids involved, try, try as hard as you possibly can, everything. Um, but if you are you know, gonna go through a divorce, try to work together as much as possible, uh, it's, if you can. Um, the, less, the less disagreements, the fighting over custody, uh, fighting over money, uh, just reduce as much conflict as possible. Uh, kids need their fathers and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll add, I mean, I'll, I'll take it from the perspective of, you know, for those who have already gone through the breakup or the divorce, um, because in terms of, you know, oftentimes it takes two to tango and a lot of, you know, men feel things are beyond their control and whatnot. So let's take it from the from the point of the, your listener, uh, Turin, who has already um, gone through the divorce and they find themselves kind of floundering. I, the only thing I could say is to really focus on loving yourself. It sounds very cliche and hokey, but what does that mean to love yourself? Number one, I'm a big believer in physical fitness. Um, I, I believe that. And again, it's not because of what we were talking about before that you've got to be the macho man or anything like that. Now, if that's a motivating factor, by the way, for me, I was very, I've been very open about this. That's what got me started. You know, I wanted to show my ex-wife that, you know, I could be in great shape too, because I was overweight and everything like that. So that started it, but that's certainly not my reason now for staying in shape. So even if that is a motivation, that's okay. But physical fitness really helps transform your entirety because the body is just such an important component to a human being. It's not just the mind, it's the mind, body, and soul, if you will. Um, so physical fitness and start working on yourself. Start meditating, okay? Try and lose the cynicism. A lot of guys out there kind of have a cynical attitude towards these things because it sounds hokey, you know, like, oh, what does meditating even mean? So look it up, try it for a minute or two, things like that. Um, you know, read up on books, podcasts, podcasts like yours, you know, all sorts of different um, tools at your disposal. I'm a big believer in therapy as well. Um, you know, you have to find the right one. It may be some trial and error to find one that you have a good match with. And when you match with a good one, you'll know. But all sorts of things that are aimed at you, you the person, you the man, making yourself into the best man that you can, okay? Because until then, you know, a lot of the guys want to get back on the horse. So, you know, we talk a lot about dating and the next relationships. But, and again, this is all cliche, but it's cliche a lot because it's true. The more you work on yourself and work on, you know, that, that sort of personal uh, evolution. And I say evolution because it doesn't happen overnight, but the more you can do that, um, the better off you'll be. And, and don't expect it to happen overnight. It takes, uh, <laughs> I'm, to work, I'm a work in progress, as Matthew McConaughey says, I'm not a straight A student. You know, I'm not preaching here. I'm not saying that I'm the best. It's a work in progress. Keep working on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. You know, you are important. I'm <laughs> sorry.